worship band and also just Charles going with what the Spirit was doing. There was no question the Holy Spirit was moving there. And if you're not familiar with it, um, you know, God moves and speaks by his presence. And the Holy Spirit is the power and the presence of God. That is not a New Testament teaching. That is also an Old Testament teaching. Whenever you see the Spirit of God in the Old Testament, it's always through power and presence. And it's just simply that when Jesus ascended after his ascension, when he went back into heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit to live in us. Because God has always wanted a people to call his own who want to be in his presence. And that's the story of creation. It's the story of redemption. And it's our story of the church of Jesus Christ. And his presence is with us all the time. And so sometimes it's intense, like we're aware of it. It doesn't come and go, it's just that we're more aware of his presence and that was one of those moments. So if you're not used to it, um, well, get used to it. Because uh, I think this year there'll be more of it, amen? I mean, we want, I don't know about you, uh, you know, I get to speak in many churches in every denomination. I don't like to fill 30 minutes of time just because I have to. I want God to speak. This is, I don't want to speak and I want him to turn up, not me to turn up. Um, or whoever's speaking or leading worship, it doesn't matter. Public ministry, you know, before, before I ever got into public ministry, I used to think, oh, wow, it'd be good to do that. Uh, 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 uh. Uh, you know, you can never teach what you've never been through yourself. And so um, before you desire the microphone, just be careful. Uh, God might have another plan for you. So, look, I really appreciate you coming along this morning. And uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about a subject. Uh, I sort of switched gears, actually. I had a plan for a, a talk I wanted to give. But then I felt God speak to me specifically about change. I think this is going to be a year of change. Um, not be- just because we're about to move into our new building, um, although that's part of it for those of us who are part of the church family here, but I think it's deeper than that. I think uh, a couple of levels. Uh, we heard um, uh, God speak through Ross before about, you know, there's going to be challenge ahead. Because one of the things about change is it's always challenging. Uh, but so we're going to move into a new building in a few weeks and, you know, you're not going to know where to sit. You know, how difficult is that? Um, taken a few more extra rows from the back uh, this week and so some of you have come more forward and it's a bit challenging, the change. We, 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 we're creatures of comfort, aren't we? We don't like change very much. I don't know about you, but some, some things I like to change and I'm sure there are some things in your life that you've changed by design, your purpose, your plan, and it's gone okay. Other things... You don't want to change, and it's forced on you. It's sort of thrust on you. And when that change happens, what do we do? Not happy Jan. Um, and so I want to talk a little bit about, well, how do you manage, cope? how do you handle change? Because uh, if this year's like last year, there's going to be a lot of change for every single one of us. I mean, just looking around the room and some of the people that I know here are part of our church, you've been through a lot of change recently. Some of you have lost loved ones. Now, that's a big change, isn't it? And you have no choice but to manage through that shift. Some of you have had uh, children. That's a big change. Speaking of someone that's had, uh, I had two in one day. So there's, I know there's another couple that's had two in one day. Yeah, that's a huge change, becoming a parent. Some of you have had children that have left home. That's a big change. Some of you have changed jobs. How massive is that, that sort of shift? Some of you have moved cultures or, or suburbs. You've moved house, you've relocated. How much of a change is that? Getting to know your neighbours and, you know, where do I shop? You know, all those drama things, particularly when you're in charge of running the house. But you know what? Change is all around us all the time. In fact, as you listen to me speak, 
your body is changing. You're replacing about half a million body cells in the next 30 to 40 minutes. Change is just the way we live. It's just that when we're aware of it or we are not happy with the change we're about to face or we know that's coming, how do we cope with that sort of thing? So we all experience by change, whether we like it or not. So the question is, how do we handle it? And here comes the next slide. Here's my answer. We handle change, well, very, very slowly. In fact, give me some other answers. Call them out. How do, you handle, how do we handle change generally, like the human race? I'm not talking about you personally, necessarily. How do, we, well, how do we respond to change? Call them out. We complain, absolutely. I love complaining about change. Um, biblically, we call that lament. You can always complain to God. He doesn't strike you because you do that. He actually likes you to talk to him about it. Another one? We get angry. Yeah, we do get angry. I'll talk about that in a minute. We, we get angry when we're forced to change. How do you, another one, we handle change. Anxiety, I'll talk about that as well. We get very anxious, don't we? It's, it's sort of this, it's, it's this sort of, what's going to happen? Where am I going to go? What's life going to be like for me if this really does happen, which, which is what I think is going to happen? Another one. Cautious. Very cautious, I think, with change because we're not sure what the next step is. It sort of creates this uncertainty for us, doesn't it, change, when it's, when it's forced upon us. Any other ideas? Fear? We, we absolutely do fear. What's going to happen? Is it going to work out? Is it going to be good or bad? Paul? We, seek, we are creatures of comfort. Absolutely. Um, I think one of the great ironies, and talking to those of you who have been a Christian for you know, a number of years, one of the great ironies I find is Christians are more creatures of comfort than probably unchurched people. We like the way we do church or we do church in a particular way. You know, some churches I go to speak in, if they, if they move the lectern three inches the wrong way, there's a committee meeting about it. Um, or, if, you know, I've been to churches as a guest, sat in someone's seat, and I get told off by that person. We don't like change. You know, there's another level, I think, for us as believers. I'm going to touch on that in a few minutes' time. Was there someone else? Did I say John? Joy in change. John, you're weird. That's all, that's all I'm saying. You're strange, mate. No, no. There can, now, this is one of the great things about, well, I think for us as disciples of Christ is if we go through a change, traumatic or easy, planned or unplanned, if we go through any change, there is something at the other side of it because God's involved in us. Now, that's not the case for people who don't know God and have a relationship with God. Change doesn't have some, whether it's joy or peace or whether it's a change in your character, like, again, like Ross mentioned before. We, you know, the change for us should be a little bit different, and we're going to highlight that as well. So, obviously, change is constant. It's consistent. It's inevitable. It's expected. It's unexpected. It's comfortable. It's uncomfortable. It's traumatic sometimes. We're all changing. Even today, this very week, we'll have some changes that you don't plan on. Because that's just life. We're, we're, living in an un, we're living in an unexpected environment and a changing world. And things, whether it's in your personal life, your work life, whether it's in your Christian life, things are going to change this year. In fact, I would say, if you're taking notes, I encourage you to write this down, life is a series of change. That's what it is, one change after another change after another change. And so if we can learn to manage, deal and cope with change, particularly uncomfortable, unexpected, painful change, 
we're going to put ourselves in a better position to handle what's ahead of us. That's true for myself as it is for you. So change is slow. Can I just say, if you're going through a change right now, just relax. We, you know, Take it a little bit easy. You can't force circumstances. You can't control everything. So I think we need to take a deep breath sometimes and relax when it comes to change. Just if you, if you can plan some stuff, I'm going to give you some tips on managing it in a minute, but if you can plan some stuff about change, just take smaller incremental steps as you go. You know, sometimes you have to make big changes, but you have to do it with smaller steps to manage it. So just, just relax a little bit. One of the great ironies in life is we don't like change as people. Like our characters, we like, you know, rhythm and, and structure and, and comfort. But one of the great ironies is everybody else is always telling us to change. Our parents told us to change. You know, if you're in a relationship, your boyfriend or girlfriend, they're telling you to change. You get married to that person, they're never going to stop telling you to change. You go to work, your colleagues tell you you need to change. Your boss says, listen, you need to change this. You come to church, the pastor says you need to change. Change. I mean, everybody's telling us we should change. So what's change about? Go to the next slide, thanks, Dale. Change is actually about not the circumstance, so it's not necessarily about the situation that shifted for us. It's not the stuff that we can't control. Now, that's part of it, but I'm not, I'm not sort of focusing on that. I think the issue with change is the emotional side of how we feel about what's happening. So I've got a little summary here, which if you... Look, I'm going to say quite a few things today in the next, you know, 15 minutes I've got left. But I want... If you can remember anything, remember this. Change is about endings and beginnings and the transition that you sit in, in between. That's really what it is. Change is about something that's ending. That could be a relationship, could be a job, could be a home, could be a ministry, it could be whatever it is. You know, you put your, think of your own life right now. For something new to take place, something has to go. That's what change is. And when we sit in the middle of those two moments, it's a transition. And so some of you sort of called out before what I've got up here on the screen as well, that, of course, the, I think the emotional stuff when things end. So if you ever changed jobs, I mean, some of us have changed churches, uh, some of us have changed, you know, locations of where we live, um, we've changed relationships. When you think about ending those things, the key emotion is loss, grief. It's not the same. And you miss what we had. What we had was comfortable. What we had was working. What we had, at least I knew. I knew how to cope or manage. Even if it wasn't perfect, I knew my expectations. And I think one of the greatest struggles with managing change in life is that if you don't know how to end well, you'll struggle with coping with change. Now, one of the great mysteries of God is he ends a lot of things. You only have to read, you read any Bible story and you'll find this pattern. He's ending something and he's taking them somewhere else and their struggle is in the middle, the transition. We have to learn how to grieve over endings. We have to give ourselves permission to feel and talk about what we've lost. That, that, you know, there's no, I don't think there's anything wrong with actually letting the emotion out of, of what's ending and how we feel about that thing that we liked, loved, passionate about, 
I mean, some of the things in my life that have ended, I, I was really sold out on. And yet, for some reason, the door closed. And, you know, for some time you grieve over that. You really feel that loss because you thought it was going to go somewhere else and it's finished. Now, in the middle, we have this uncertainty. I have no idea what's going to happen next. No idea where we're going. You know, um, I mean, anyone change churches at any point in your life? What a mess that is. Welcome to change. That's not easy, is it? And that uncertainty of, you know, do I fit in here when you visit someplace? I mean, Sue and I went to visit a church a couple of years ago when we were looking for a, a new family. And uh, <laughs> within three minutes of us walking in there, we knew that wasn't a place for us. Isn't it funny how some things you know straight away and other things you're not sure? Because it's this uncertainty. It's that, that sort of, um, I, think, I think you said at the back there, that it's, you, you sort of tread lightly. You're not really sure what to do. But the other thing is where change takes you and what really change is all about, I think, with God in our lives is a beginning. Um, you know, you've heard all the, the quotes. You see them on Facebook and if you're on social media, you know, if one door opens, the Lord's going to open another door. And There's some truth to that sort of stuff. But God is always taking us to a place that's better for us and guess what? You're not the best person to make the decision on what's better for you. He is. And if that includes him shutting down something that you think is good, right, um, or indifferent, doesn't really matter how you feel about it, let him do it. And let him start the new beginning. Even though you feel anxious or fearful, again, you, you know, is it going to work? Is it not going to work? Should I take this job? Should I, should I you know, make this new friendship? What, what should I do? Even though you're uncertain about it, if you feel God's directing you there, then you have to actually step into it because it, it, one thing I've learned about God is every change I've been through, he's involved. Sometimes I don't see him involved at the time. I think it's the devil. So I heard a, I'm going to tell you a corny joke. Um, <clears throat> how many Pentecostals does it take to change? Ten. One to change and the other nine to pray against the powers of darkness. In other words, we're not good at change. I had an Anglican minister tell me that joke this week. <laughs> and then he went on and said, um, how, do, you know, how many Presbyterians does it take to change? And he said, change? <laughs> and then he told me about his own denomination. He says, how many Anglicans does it take to change? He says, oh, I'll change a light bulb. And he says, oh, no, we use candles. <laughs> I didn't say, oh, that wasn't for me. That was from a, a guy I met this week. But that's the issue, right? Do we like it? We like tradition, you know. Now, look, as Pentecostals, again, for those of you who've been in church life for a long period, we think we don't have traditions, but we do. Just change a couple of things on a Sunday and see how most people respond. Now, we don't have orthodox traditions, you know, maybe like Catholic churches or maybe um, high Anglican churches or whatever. We, but we have our own traditions, absolutely. We just don't see them because you're sitting in them until something shifts. And that's when you notice what's not there. So change, I think, is really about beginnings and endings and the transition. You know, where do I go? What do I do? How do I, how do I manage? And the reason why I think it's difficult for us to change is because we're a bit stubborn. You know, I think at a, at a spiritual level, we have to deal with our own pride sometimes. Sometimes God's pushing you to change and you think it's someone else. But it's pride. You know, we like to be in control. You know, we... You know, in the Western world, we think we're sort of in charge of our own destinies. We're not. 
I mean, we heard about the death of Pastor Chris. You're not in charge of, of much, really, but we, we are told we are. You know, we, 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 we're sort of at, through advertising and just the way our culture is, is woven together. It's all about doing what you want. Well, it's, it's not, actually. That's not true. You're not in control. Now, as Christians, God's in control. And so, you know, that, that submission to him is not always easy because the culture we live in doesn't celebrate submission. It celebrates independence and choice. So sometimes we, we find it hard to change because it's, we're comfortable. We sort of said that. I think it's sometimes hard to change because it hurts. It's just painful sometimes, isn't it, to, to really grab hold of the change and deal with it front on. But here's a spiritual truth that we must remember as we go through this. And that is... In God's kingdom, for anything new to begin, something else has to die. That's a spiritual truth. So, you know, Jesus talks about the seed dying and falling into the ground. Well, that's what bears fruit. So that's another word. That's another sort of symbol or pattern of change. Endings, transition, beginnings. We, we, our religion, when we, when we actually celebrate it around the Lord's table, we are celebrating his death and resurrection. For us to have new life by the Spirit of God, Jesus had to die. So sometimes that pattern we don't see in our own life when God's leading us towards a change. We try to avoid it and go around it. But in actual fact, it's a spiritual truth. For you to access the new thing that God has for you, usually, most of the time from my experience, something has to end. It's just, it's just a truth that we, we should live this every single day. So, I think sometimes God's the agent of change, um, but we're not aware of it. Um, I think sometimes we prefer to, you know, be God in our own lives. Um, we, we don't put it in those terms, but our actions sort of display that. So, this is a central truth for us. Death leads to life. Endings lead to a beginning. And so, we don't face change like people who are not in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I'm going to give you six signs that you're not handling change well. That's the next slide. Number one, you can't stop thinking about something from the past. Now, I mentioned a word this week to my wife that she didn't know, and that is probably the first time in 29 and a half years of marriage. Ruminating is the word. I pulled it out of there because she said, is that a word? And She's much smarter than I am. I said, well, I think it is a word. We looked it up, and it is a word. Ruminating, that's the idea. That is, you can't let something go because it was so good. It meant so much to you, so you're always thinking about, oh, you know, the good old days. Oh, I wish it was like, you know, when I was a kid, you know, you know that Monty Python skit? When I was in uh, children of today. It's ruminating. It's sort of you're brooding over the past because you're still hanging on to it, but it's been gone for years. Now, it's not that you can't celebrate the good things of the past. That's not what we're talking about here. It's about, in a sense, your heart is still back there. And at some point, you've got not just to, your sort of heart has to catch up with your circumstance. You can't just, you know, keep talking about how, how, how good this church was, you know, 38 years ago. You can't do that. You've got to live in the now. And if, you, if you're a person that what comes out of your mouth is you're hanging on to the past no matter what, you know, you're, you're struggling. You're struggling to handle change. Just think of a couple of scriptures I'm going to throw them, no, I haven't got them up here, but a couple. Isaiah 43, 19. Very popular. It's, it's requoted often. 
um, you know, in churches, social media. Behold, I'm doing something what? Hello. Changes in every page of the Bible. There's not one page of scripture you can't open to see, not see change. Behold, I'm doing something new. And then what does he say to Israel? Don't you, can't you see it? Don't you perceive it? Uh, which is a rhetorical question. You know rhetorical questions in the Bible? It's not a real question. It's a truth stated as a question. So can't they see it? What's the answer? No, they're not seeing it. That's why God's telling them. Um, we don't see things God's doing. If they don't see it, listen, we're not that different, right? At times we don't notice what God's doing. Behold, I'm doing something newer. Don't you perceive it? Ecclesiastes 7.10 is another one, um, which, is, which, which is just right on this first point here about sort of ruminating about the past, how great it was and wish we were still there. And Listen to this, Ecclesiastes 7.10. It says, don't say, where are the good old days? Well, that's pretty direct. But Solomon says, why not to say that? Don't say, where are the good old days? He says, because it's not wise to ask such questions. You're just unwise to sit in the past. Number two, avoiding taking time to grieve. So that's over the ending and the losses. And I sort of talked a little bit about that. But, it, you know, I think in our, culturally speaking, in our broader society, I don't think we handle grief and endings very well, full stop. And so it's sort of that can seep into our behaviour as Christians because we live in our culture. And so I think a lot of people avoid ending things well and starting new things by um, sort of got an avoidance strategies. So they'll drink a lot, they'll go to a lot of parties. Um, you know, sort of like you're sort of distraction therapy. You go shopping, retail therapy we call it, right? Language shows you what your culture is. So I think our culture has a whole lot of systems to avoid dealing with it front on and we have to be careful that we don't avoid talking about the endings and talking about how we're going to start this new beginning. We should be helping one another and walking through change together. In fact, we're going to do that in a couple of weeks. We've got no choice. We're going to a new building. The new building will change how we do ministry, what church looks like, feels like, what the sound's like, how we get there, where we park. Everything's going to change. So we've got no choice. We might as well actually be talking about it and doing it together. So don't feel the sadness of loss. And then begin to plan how you're going to respond to it. That's really number two. Don't avoid it. Grieving is always difficult. It's always a painful journey, but it's always beneficial. Always beneficial to grieve well. Number three, you can see it up there. You find yourself angry, and this one came up when the, some of the comments came back to me as well. You're, fr you're angry and frustrated. You know, anger often comes out of a... You have a plan to do something, and it's blocked. Something stops you from doing what you want to do. And again, that's one of the parts of change. Uh, go to the next slide, thanks. I'll give you number four. You often dream of quitting because it's too painful. So people quit jobs because it's too painful. People quit relationships instead of working things through because they think it's easier to quit than to, to actually deal with the problem, which is usually partly them. Uh, just You need to write that down. Actually, put it in the first person. It's usually partly me. We dream of quitting because we can't manage the ending and the transition, even if we don't know where the new thing is going for us. We believe the quickest way is to quit 
and we see people quitting life, don't they? That, that sense of this is too difficult, they don't even want to live anymore. So we quit at a whole range of levels. I'm out of here is sort of a, a, you know, a, a sort of mentality of that, number four. Number five, you rarely acknowledge that something has outrightly failed. Now, let me give you a heads up. We know it in our hearts, but we never actually speak it out loud. A lot of stuff in your life has failed. A lot of stuff in my life has failed. But guess what? That's true for everybody. Failure is not a reflection on your intelligence, your skills, your abilities, your spiritual strength, you know, your spiritual maturity. Things don't always work out. It doesn't matter who you are in life. It doesn't matter how well you think someone is in life. They've experienced failure. So have you. So, again, I think if we, if we avoid the discussion of things that we've failed at or things that have failed that we've been a part of but maybe didn't have control over, then we're not handling change very well. A key factor here is just because something you are part of failed doesn't mean you failed or that you are a failure. But emotionally, we often feel it that way. Number six, you really think about change. You just don't like it. How many people here really don't like change? I know there's a few people. Oh, come on, be honest, it's good. It's tough, isn't it? You're not thinking about it. Even if someone like me came up to you and says, I think something's about to change in your life, you go, you talking to me? You don't want to talk about it. You're not interested in it. But what I'm saying to you is change is coming this year. And guess what? It happened last year as well. It's not necessarily this year's anything special. Change will impact you whether you like it or not. Change will happen whether you expect it or not. Change is going to come on you whether it's pleasant or painful. Change is natural. So it's interesting... uh, we often think there's nothing worse than talking about change, and here am I bringing it up. Uh, I read a quote actually just the other day by a friend of mine. He was just posting a picture he took of, of clouds, and he used the, the imagery of clouds about you know, the, you know, the winds of change or the clouds of change, and he, he used the sort of artistic idea of don't wish clouds away, embrace them. I thought, gee, that's a good, you know, I'm not very good at artistic, poetic sort of things. But that's a good illustration. Sometimes it's cloudy for us. We're not really sure what the next step is. And instead of trying to get them away from us or you know, praying that God removes them or because sometimes God's sending them, you're better off embracing the clouds of change than trying to avoid it, pray it away, wish it away. And again, in a couple of weeks, we're going to go through it. So here's one of the things as I was sitting praying about all this stuff and working it through for this morning. Go to the next slide. Thanks, Dale. I think Christians should be people of change. If any community, any society or any group of people on the planet should be good at change, it's us. That, that's the, I think that's the fact. There is not one story, not one narrative, not one historical account, Old Testament, New Testament, that doesn't include someone going through change. There's not one biblical teaching, like a command um, that is given in the Old or New Testament, that doesn't force us to change as we obey it and put it into practice. If there's anyone on the planet that should be good at modelling and helping other people to change, it's you and me. 
And yet the irony is Christians, can be, we can be so traditional. We, can be, we think we're custodians of, you know, of, of looking after buildings and seats. You know, people put, in some traditions, they put a family name on a chair. We, we, we get, we're focused on the wrong thing here. When you came to Christ, didn't you change? And ever since then, hasn't he been forcing you to change? We are people of change. Change is everywhere for Christians. It's consistent. It's not going to stop. It's going to keep going. We're supposed to be the experts. We're not supposed to be focused on tradition, structure, comfort. That is not how God grows us. God grows us through leading us into uncertainty. Even though we don't know how we're going to get there, he just says, trust me, follow me. It's interesting, you know, we talk a lot about being born again, but, you know, Jesus, at least the way it's recorded in the Gospels, only ever said that once. But what he did say a lot was, follow me. That's change. Follow Jesus, you never know where he's going to take you. Just giving you the heads up. You just don't know. Christianity is about change. We are the people of change on the planet. Our life goal as a disciple of Christ is to be like him, which is to change. Our ministry goals is to serve him. And he might put you in places you're not necessarily happy with, comfortable with, but if he's prompting you to do it, that's change. I mean, there's not one page of the Holy Scriptures that you can open and you don't see change. You just haven't noticed it. It's there. It's in every story, every command, every teaching. It's the story of Scripture. Beginning, ending. So... um, Christians, this is a quote by a guy called Harry Fosdyke, who was a preacher from the start of the 19th century, in the 20th century. He says, Christians are supposed to be not merely enduring change or just profiting by it, but causing it. Christians are not merely supposed to be enduring change or just profit from it, but causing change. So life is change. Christianity is about change. We as Christians, do change, should change, are changing. We help others to change. We model change. We want to change the world. We talk about you know, our new building of being a centre for the community to access and for us to, to reach our local community. Well, that's going to take change on your part, not just the people who actually come to faith. We are people of change. So here's the scripture. Thanks, Dale. Philippians, you'll know the scripture, but you know, again, I, I had that many scriptures I could have used today. I thought, what one verse can I hang this on? Because there's so many of them. But when I read this, and again, you'll know it, where you know Paul's writing from his prison cell to the church at Philippi, and uh, he says, he's sure that he who started, beginning, so there's the beginning, right? He who started the good work in us will carry it on, transition, to what? Completion, which is what? The ending. Beginnings, endings, transition. It's right through the Bible. Not in those words, but the pattern is there. Now, this is a promise that we love to quote. You know, it's on beautiful Christian cards and people put nice sunset images behind it and mountains. And you see on Facebook people standing with their hands in the air with that scripture behind them. And, but what does it really mean? Uncomfort, fear, uncertainty, grief, loss, change. God 
is the agent of change in our lives. As a corporate church, as a fellowship, as a family of believers, but also for you as an individual disciple. It's God that wants you to change. And he's doing it for your benefit. He's trying to, I mean, mature, develop, grow you, and for you to, as as we serve one another and our community, we actually grow together and we not only change ourselves, but other people around us change at the same time. So I see God is in charge of change. It's an ongoing process. It's never going to stop. Change is about completion from God's point of view to transforming us into the image of his son Jesus. We're involved in change every moment. We see creation has seasons. What are they? Moments of change. Your body, your cells are changing. So because, again, we're not always um, mentally aware of it, but it's everywhere. God has created us and put us on a planet that actually demonstrates change all the time. So every change I face as a disciple is God's work at ending something to begin something new and taking us through that transition. I know it's uncomfortable. So the last thing I'm going to do, just as I wrap up, because time's gone. Go to the next slide, thanks. There's a guy called Benjamin Bloom, and he's an educational specialist, or, or was. I think he's deceased now. And a lot of um, training and, and education theories based on some of his research. And I'm just going to give you a very quick summary. There's a whole lot of different versions if you're into education. But I like the idea of he talks about five stages of change. And change is always about learning. So this is from an educational point of view or training and teaching. But it's true for all of us. So the first stage is you become aware that something's different. So, you know, if it's a relationship, you're not getting on like you used to or someone's not contacting you or you feel a bit distant. Um, You know, whether it's a job, you're not happy there. Whether it's God speaking to you about something, you become aware of it. And as you become aware of it, you notice things are not really the same as they used to be. So you become aware. The second thing he says, you ponder. Now, pondering is really about considering is it worth me following this through? Am I going to adapt? It's really that when you step into something new, it's about changing the way you function and live. Now, of course, in Romans 12, God says there's something we can actually change ourselves, which is our thinking. Be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. In other words, don't think like you used to. We have to, you know, pondering is very important in Christianity. Because the way you think determines your approach and your behaviours. So um, Rick Warren put it this way. He said, change always starts in your mind. The way you think determines the way you feel and the way you feel influences the way you act. So thinking, feeling, acting. Now we can't change our past. We can't change necessarily our circumstances. But we can change how we think about something. Then the next one is, if you, want, if you want real change to take place, it becomes a value. So when you, maybe if you move churches at some point in your life, you have to value that church or it's not going to work for you. You've got to value the people. You've got to value the ministries. You've got to get involved. You, you, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I value this and I value that, but they never invest in it. And here's a key. If you're not investing your time and your resource into something, you don't value it no matter what you say. 
It's really what you do reveals your values, not what you think. And then number four is probably pretty obvious. Your behavior, your actions have to shift. So this is when you practice the change. You make decisions now because life has shifted and you have to adjust as a result of it. It's like a practical acceptance. Um, a philosopher called Alan Watts said, the only way to embrace change is to join in the dance. Great way of saying it, isn't it? The only way to embrace change is just join in the dance. You, you know, you've just got to go with the flow is really what he's saying. And then the last one is you actually own it. So it does become who you are. So, look, there's just a couple of things if you're writing down or if you want the PowerPoint, email me, I'll send it to you. Happy to do that. But here's one thing that through research they know about these five stages of adapting or learning and changing is there's a big gap between those, between level three and five. So where you sort of ponder and value, but making the change in your everyday life, the behaviour, that's often the challenge for us. So most people never be, get beyond that. They believe it, but they don't put it into their life or don't practice it. And really, I think without struggle, there's very little progress. Everything that's worthwhile, think, just think about your life. Let me finish with this. Everything that you think has been worth your while in your life, you've had to struggle to get there. And you've probably had to struggle to maintain it. Think about a good relationship you had. Or think about a good career or job that you had. Struggle is not our enemy. It's in the struggle that we actually put into practice what we really believe. So, look, I hope that's been a help to you. Time's really flown, so I'm going to wrap it up right there. Let me, let me pray, and then we're going to do one other thing before we finish as well. So let me pray. Father, your spirit just moving before was just incredible. And, and Lord... Some people changed as a result of that. They encountered you, they felt you, you spoke to them, you healed them. But Lord, for other times in our lives, change is much more mundane. Change is much more difficult. Sometimes it's traumatic and painful. We want to avoid it. And Lord, I just think of this year that's about to unfold. Many people are already back at work. School's about to start and we're shifting premises just to to come together as a church family and there's going to be a whole lot of other things that are unplanned and unseen but you know change is coming so father i pray that lord we remember that you are always with us and lord that we can actually trust you no matter what's happening around us and lord that you're in the midst of change you're right there with us and so father i just pray by your grace and by your power of your holy spirit that you would lead us every step of the way challenge us, convict us, change us from the inside out. We are, after all, your children and you are our Father. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we're just going to take up um, one last offering. Now, we, I've, I was going to warn you before I started and I completely forgot, but the offerings for our mission offering, we, had, we took up an offering last week. A number of people are away. So we're going to do that just as we close. So if you can just get ready for that. Um, if you I don't know if we're going to hand out slips. Does anyone want a slip for a missions offering? No, that's fine. So um, we're involved in a number of things as a local church in missions. And one of them is uh, doing some work with rescuing people out of the street scene in Cambodia. 
and just thought this is coincidental that I'm taking up the offering. But on this Saturday, Sue and I are actually going back to Cambodia for Alpha. And we're going to catch up with Matt and Kimbra, whom we support financially. And so Sue and I have been talking about what we can take over there to give them. Uh, we want to give them a bit of a financial gift as well. So if you want to contribute to that, please do so either today or you can do it online also. But we really want to bless them. You've probably heard that Matt was in a uh, was hit by a car on his little motorbike. Um, if you haven't heard that, it was quite traumatic just before Christmas. But he's doing pretty well. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing him. He's got a moon boot on and um, he had a, they had some tr- trouble treating him initially because um, the hospital care is a bit different to it is here. But um, he's doing much better than what they expected and they think he'll make a, a full recovery really. But it was pretty traumatic for them. So we just want to encourage them and bless them. So why don't you just, um, the container's there on the, your right-hand side. Just pass it along. And, uh, oh, sorry, my right, your left, yes. Your other right-hand side is what I should have said. Then, look, you can always give online towards our mission work. And I can tell you by um, visiting missionaries often on the field over the last 20 years, any support, encouragement and prayer is highly valued. So I know most of you may not personally know Matt and Kimbra. Some of you have met them when they've come here previously. But please pray for them. Um, they, they really treasure that. And every, every person serving God on the field needs it. So look, well, I really appreciate you giving towards our missions program. I'm going to wrap it up right there because we've gone over time. God bless you. Hope you have a good day of change. Amen? Amen.